Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Yes, this is KMBZ. For those who wondered if they accidentally got the wrong station, uh, welcome in here. On a Wednesday afternoon, um, so the Kansas City Star has been doing a series that they call Reality Check that's doing a, a deeper look at uh, some of the decisions that are being made in our court system and with lawmakers. And they highlighted a story that has us asking a couple of questions. If sentencing guidelines for a crime change after someone is sentenced for that, should they should their sentence be changed based on the new guidelines? And it gets to a specific story of a guy who is now 52, who was sentenced at the age of 18 and been in jail since then, and was given 66 years to life for a crime that if he were to be sentenced today, would have gotten 15 years. At max, 15 at max. years. Yeah, the, the maximum sentence for what he would have gotten today is 15 years, which is just, I mean, when you, when you think about 66 years to life, the sentencing guidelines that we're talking about changed in 1993. And they did so because the state of Kansas looked into their sentencing guidelines and went, we're putting people away for burglary for 66 to life? That's crazy. So the sentencing guidelines were all pared down dramatically, especially for nonviolent offenders, which this guy was. I am kind of curious because uh, a couple of the convictions, and there were seven in total, the one that he was eventually convicted for and sentenced to 66 to life followed a bunch of other convictions for uh, also crimes. They were all property crimes. They were not violent crimes, but a couple of them were aggravated burglary crimes. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a matter of amount, like what the stuff okay. was worth that he stole or what makes a burglary an aggravated burglary. Because if there's assault involved in that, then, well, see, but that would change it. It wouldn't be burglary anymore. It would be right. robbery at that point. But the math is still the same. Um, it's still 15 years to life is what he would have got, or excuse me, 15 years max is what he would have gotten any time after 1993. So the question is being asked now um, also if Governor Kelly should grant him clemency. That's what can be done now. You can't resentence him. He's obviously, and he's, he's been there since he was 18. So he's already been there for, what is that 34 years now that he's been in there? Yep. 24, 34. Um, he's already done well beyond that 15. Should the governor now take action to let him out? And I didn't know until I read this story how rare it is for the governor in Kansas to grant a pardon. It's it's politically inexpedient. <laughs> yeah, I yes. Mean, it, because all, all that does is give your next political opponent room to say, soft on crime. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I understand why it's a fair rarity, especially in Kansas. But in a case like this, 
um, I know this is probably a terrible example to bring up, but keep in mind, uh, Manson was sentenced to death. But California okay. got rid of the death penalty for a while. So his sentence had to be commuted to life in prison without, or, or, yeah, I mean, there was no life without parole. So it was life in prison with possibility of parole every seven years, which he never got. Of course he didn't. But um, when they reinstated the death penalty, they didn't reinstate his. They just kept him in prison until he died. Boy, that's a really great, it's actually a really good example because there are a lot of states that um, put a moratorium, Illinois one, yep. put a moratorium on the death penalty for a variety of reasons. Some have done it recently because of the drugs. There's a lot of debate about the drugs that are used in lethal injection. So yeah, would you do it that way? If you reinstated a tougher version of the, of the sentence, do you then go back and resentence everybody to the, the tougher one? Right. And as the text line just pointed out, in Laura Kelly's case, as concerns this particular case, uh, she's term limited out. So she's not running again anyway. Might as well. But is it bad then for the party? I mean, it's it's rare enough to have a Democratic governor in Kansas. You yeah. know? Although uh, we've done it a couple times. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. Would, would it would it hurt the chances for the next person from her party to get in if they can sully him or her with Laura Kelly's record? I mean, that's politics. That's the game. That's how right. you play. So, of course, they can try. But will it stick? That's another matter. In a case like this, though, I can't imagine somebody for burglary or petty theft or anything else like that being given a, a possibility of life in prison. It makes absolutely no sense. Okay, so I know a little bit more about what he did now, and that might change what we think about this. And I'll get to that here in a second. I have questions about the process because in Kansas, a three-member prisoner review board reports to the governor on each application. Since the beginning of the fiscal year 2021, the board has reviewed nearly 360 applications recommending clemency for only 14. Wow. Okay. So that's, so she is just going off the recommendations that she's getting from the board. Um, and their office now is reviewing all of those to see what they may do here. So here's more about what this guy did. Um, and, and there's a lot of background to his family that's not great, but some of the uh, his convictions stem from a break-in at a music store in KCK. In another case, he robbed three people and beat two of them. Aha, uh -huh. okay. One of the victims, a 63-year-old woman, was hit in the mouth, which broke her dentures. One of the victims was a bailiff. Um, uh, but there's not any more detail about that, which I wish there was. That's what we. That's what the star was able to dig up. Keep in mind, this stuff happened in the early '80s. Then it's curious that they still called it burglary and not robbery. Robbery is larceny plus assault. Uh, so it's strange, but but that may have been that may have been old law in Kansas. Everything might have been burglary as long as you're stealing from a dwelling. Aggravated burglary may have been what they called burglary plus assault. Um, let's see. So he has spent thirteen thousand days behind bars. He's been in prisons all across the state. It's Ronald Reagan was president, like when he went, when <laughs> wow. he went in. Um, worth noting that as far as how much it costs taxpayers to keep him behind bars, and we can do the math here, the average cost per adult prisoner was about $30,000 a year times 34 years is how long he's been there. Yeah. So he's now 52. Is this a guy 
that truly should get clemency. That, yeah, or a guy that, that, you know, when you bring the money into it, and I understand that's not how they make the decisions, but when you bring the money into it, is this a guy that's worth the state of Kansas spending that every year to keep him behind bars? I mean, we've we've talked about this before and laughed about the fact that politicians have gotten in trouble and have written things off to youthful indiscretions that happened when they were in their 40s. You know what I mean? This guy right. was 18. If anybody has a, a case to make that what he did was a quote-unquote youthful indiscretion, it's him. His earliest possible release date is May 2025. When he applied for clemency two years ago, he had already served 85% of his minimum sentence. How do we feel about this? 913-586-7798. The other example I'm going to bring up is now that laws are changing about marijuana, I mean, we're going back and expunging the records of people who have been convicted of marijuana possession, especially in small amounts, because we no longer consider that to be a crime. Yeah, and that goes right to, because the, the main argument for something like this on the other side of, of where I think we both are is, uh, well, he knew that was the law at the time. He knew that was the law at the time. He broke that law. Therefore, he should, you know, he should be sentenced under what was the sentencing guideline at the time. Doesn't matter if it changes later on. But you're right. I mean, that, uh, and, and like I said, the Manson situation, and there have been others, seem to fly in the face of that. There's precedent that says if the sentencing guidelines, especially if the sentencing guidelines change because the state decides that's too much. Right. Well, that should apply to everybody who's still in. It's such a dramatic difference between the guidelines and what he got, between what he would get and what he was given. Yeah. I mean, he was given 66 years to life instead of the max of 15 years. I feel like that should matter. You know, And what should also matter is what's he been like inside? Um, you know what I mean? That it, yes. If, if, because if he's been constant trouble for that entire time, which I don't think he has... Uh, but you know that would that would give you pause as far mm -hmm. as granting clemency. But if he, if he's been a relatively quiet quote unquote model prisoner, then that should enter into it too, along with the fact that he's now in his fifties. It's not in the story, um, and I would imagine it wouldn't be in his clemency application if he wasn't a good prisoner. <laughs> yeah, right. So we wouldn't know that. It just says over the decades he learned how to weld, served as a caretaker, and trained service dogs to assist people who are disabled. He helped to raise money from prisoners to support various charitable causes. At the Lansing Correctional Facility, he worked as the kitchen's main cook. And when he gets out, hopes to open a food truck or a restaurant. And some of those things you're not eligible to do if you're trouble. Right. Right. So this feels like the one, this, this feels like this justifies letting him out. But if you want to argue he should stay in there, 913-586-7798. I will listen to the arguments. Maybe sure. there are things we're not thinking of. Absolutely. Always possible. 913-586-7798 will get you in. We'll take a break. Be back with your comments next on KMBZ. All right. If you missed the beginning of this story, give us a second here to uh, recap what is kind of involved. Uh, but there was a story in the Kansas City Star highlighting a case that is being asked of the governor for clemency. You have a guy who was sentenced to 66 years to life for a series of charges, including a robbery. He was 18 years old at the time. He's 52 now. In the time since he was sentenced to 66 years to life, the sentencing guidelines changed. And were he to be sentenced today, he would have gotten at max 15 years. And as they point out in the article, he has seen people who were convicted of murder come and go from prison while he's been in.
So that's how much the sentencing guidelines changed after the 80s were over and things were rethought in the early 1990s. So, yeah, that's what the governor has in front of her right now. Mike and KCK has an opinion on it. Hey, Mike. Yeah, hi. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. What do you think? Um, If you go to do a Google search for K-D-O-C-K-A-S-P-E-R, you can actually go see what his disciplinary record was while he was in prison. Okay. Have you done that already, or do we need to do it? (laughs) You're going to need to do it. I'm I'm on a phone. But, yeah, it's pretty easy. You just type his name in there, and uh, it'll it'll pull this whole sheet up, where he's been transferred to, what facilities he's been in, and it'll show all the disciplinary records. Okay. I'm doing it as we speak. Yeah, it's free, and anybody can do it in the world. All right, great. Uh, the The problem is he has a fairly common name, but we'll see if we can get it all sorted out. Uh, Mike, thank you. Thanks for it. Now, do you have an opinion on, on the clemency issue here? Uh, no. Uh, honestly, I mean, you know, I don't I don't know because I haven't really looked at what his record was and, and really involved myself in all that. But, you know, I, if it's a pretty low-level crime and let him out, okay. then we don't have to pay for him. All right, gotcha. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate the call. There is only one Sherman Wright in uh, the state. Yep, I'm looking at the same thing you are uh, very And likely. I misspoke his age. He's 59, not 52. That was my mistake. It yep. was correct in the story. He has been all over the place. Look at the list of physical location history. Oh, yeah. They, they have wow. moved him around from facility to facility inside the state of Kansas. Oh, it's got to be 30 times. Uh, disciplinary reports. Not great. No. I mean, I don't know what's not great. I don't, um, I don't know what the average person yeah, has. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and a lot of it was trafficking contraband. Uh, it doesn't say what the contraband was, but that came up a couple of, t- a couple of times. Dangerous contraband. Fighting that goes back Most to 1997 and 2005. A lot of this has just been in the last few years. I, yeah, I wonder if maybe this started in 1997. Uh, yeah, oh, it does it, say it, since it, January 96. Yep. Uh, so he does have a record. He's not been the, again, the quote unquote model prisoner. Um, and that will probably enter into the decision. Um, does this change your mind at all, John? No, Looking not really. Uh, because uh, possession of an unauthorized cell phone, pff, right? I don't care. Right. Uh, uh, dangerous contraband. Okay, what was it? it, it could, because that could be drugs or weapons. Um, hmm, yeah, fighting. I mean, they, that's the kind of thing. I, I don't. I don't pretend to know what life is like in prison. I I hope to never know what life is like in prison. So I don't know what you have to do to be able to get along for as long as he has without ending up getting on the wrong side of the wrong person. Yeah, I also feel like something like fighting doesn't mean he started it. Right. It it could be somebody else that attacked him and he defended himself. So, I don't know, 10, 12 reports over the time he's been there? Since 96, and that's how many years? Uh, Oh, yeah. 27? So yes. that's basically a report every couple of years. That that doesn't say to me that this is somebody who's constantly in trouble. So we'll see if the governor decides to grant clemency or not. Again, she doesn't have a great record for doing it. We'll see if this is the exception. We go back to California here for a couple of minutes. Uh, we have a lot of experience here with red light cameras being put up. I can't think of another place where I've heard about cameras being put up to catch speeders that would give automatic tickets for people that are speeding. 
But California having a major problem with pedestrians that are being hit by vehicles. And so to try to combat it, they are going to install speed cameras in six major cities. I think it's fascinating that they posited this as a public health crisis. Uh, that's according to Damian Kevitt, who is the executive director of Streets Are For Everyone, which I guess is an advocacy group. But he said, yeah, that, uh, due to speeding on the roads in California, they have a public health crisis. And uh, they said a first offense will come with a warning. Second offense will cost anywhere between five, uh, between 50 and $500. But it won't add points against your driver's license. They're hoping that the fine is going to be enough. The next sentence also is interesting. Low-income drivers caught speeding a second time will only pay a $25 fine. <laughs> oh, boy. So if you're, uh, yeah, if you're low-income, you get to speed more. Great. Right. Um, so it's 11 miles an hour over is where you're going to get the ticket. I asked the same question we asked about the red light cameras, which is just because the car is registered to you doesn't mean you are the one driving it. So what do you do about that? Yeah. Yeah, if if there's a legal challenge to this, it's not going to survive. I can't believe he signed it. I can't believe there weren't legal challenges in the process of this being voted on and that it got to his desk. But okay. Um, I'm looking for figures in here. So, oh. 312 traffic fatalities last year. Now, that's in a state of how many million people? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound like a great record. I mean, you, your ideal would be no traffic fatalities, but uh, among pedestrians, they said 312 of them in 2022. But you've got a couple of the biggest cities in the country in California. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're going to go there. I don't know what the other cities are, but yeah. L.A. and San Francisco are on that list. It's interesting. They're going to let you speed up to 11 miles an hour over, <laughs> yeah. which then makes me wonder, are cops all over the state of California being told don't ticket someone unless they go 11 miles an hour over. So it means you can't, you, you can go that fast at a, at a stoplight that's got the camera, but you can't go that fast if you're anywhere else. That's interesting. I'm cringy a little bit about if you're low income, your ticket's less. Yeah. I'm, that, I'm, I'm, I don't like that. I know it's. That's a very California thing to do. It is, but it's cringy. <laughs> it's the best I, way I, to put it. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, when you, when you go separating things out, the, the law, isn't there a reason why the justice statue has a blindfold on, right? You're not <laughs> supposed to know or care right. anything about that. It's supposed to be even for everybody. Not right. exactly. Oh, 913-586-7798. Uh, let's talk to Max and Casey. Hey, Max. Hi. Um, I w just want to kind of put this in. I drive a lot in Kansas City, and a lot of these people, they're on their cell phones looking down. They don't look up to see what the traffic is going on. They just start walking. They don't even care. Also, bicycles. They're supposed to follow the same rules we do. They don't. I see them go all the way down the road, going through red lights and everything, and nothing happens to them. Yeah, you're not wrong. But I would add, and thank you, thank you, Max, for the call. I would add that for every pedestrian I've seen walk across the street without looking because they're staring down at their phone, I've seen a dozen drivers doing the same thing. We've all looked to see the person in front of us that isn't going at the light. Oh, yeah. We're all looking to see why. Of and course. they're always on a phone. Always. Yeah. I, uh, in fact, they don't even necessarily have to be doing anything wrong. Yesterday, I was at a stop sign 
at a busy street. So mm-hmm. a bunch of cars had to go by me before I got to go. And I'm watching and cell phone, cell phone, yeah. cell phone. It's like, come on, put them down. You're driving. Yeah, it is incredibly frustrating. Um, I appreciate the spirit behind this. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't think this is going anywhere. I mean, they'll, it's it's going to go into place, but I think it's going to last a very short period of time before the challenges come in. 913-586-7798 if you want to comment on this one. We'll get to your thoughts on it next on KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 913-586-7798 if you want to get in here. One of the most interesting um, interviews that we've done in a while was when we talked to, I believe it was Creighton University, the guy that talked to us about the Mississippi River and about what happens with economics. I think that was Ernie Goss that we talked to. What happens economically when you have so many problems on the Mississippi River with water levels? Here we are again at record lows. Yeah, and you're right, exactly. We talked about this last year because it ended up in a crisis situation where you could not get barge traffic up the Mississippi River or down the Mississippi River past uh, the beginning of the Mississippi Delta. So anything south of Memphis was was really affected by this. Well, here we are a year later, and it's, it's so funny. As I was thinking about this this morning, you know, a year and a half ago, we were talking about the terrible drought in California. And how, mm-hmm. you know, the levels in Lake Mead, uh, which is Nevada, but still that same area of the country, uh, were, were so dramatically low. And then all of a sudden we had a winter that had snowfall like crazy and we've had rains like crazy. It's not over the drought out there, but it's been alleviated a tremendous amount. Last year we were talking about record low levels on the Mississippi River. This year we're talking about record low levels on the Mississippi River. The, the, north, the northern central plains did not get anywhere near the snowfall over last winter or the rainfall over the spring and summer that they normally get. So we're even worse off this year south of Memphis, in Memphis and along the Arkansas uh, border than we were last year at this time. Okay, so to make the river navigable, the Army Corps of Engineer, uh, Army Corps of Engineers routinely dredges the river, Mississippi, get the sediment and debris out of there and so that it stays deep enough so that the barges can go through but there's only so much you can do. Drought requires more dredging. 
Um, and so earlier this year, they started dredging at known spots that need more frequent maintenance and doing extra ones to help in the work. They just can't keep up with the problems. No, and the, right now the levels are, I mean, it's, they're not even at the worst of it yet. It's going to continue to go down from here, according to the estimates that we're seeing. And right now, Memphis, Tennessee is at 10.16 feet. Uh, I'm sorry, 10.8 uh, feet below where it should be at this time. Osceola, Arkansas, 11.6 feet. Um, let's see, what else is in here? Uh, th yeah, there's a couple of places that are working on 12 feet below their, uh, where, where the river level should be. And they're just not going to be able to get barges through there. The, and this is the time, by the way, when... Uh, a lot of the grain and coal and everything else, this is high time to move that stuff up and down the Mississippi River, and they're not going to be able to do it. Uh, I don't have to be an economist to know this is bad. Barges are not being filled to capacity and, and also not running them, but they're just putting less weight on them. So they float because, higher, yeah. Right, because they're hitting the bottom of the river at the loading dock. Well, so then you have to do them more often. You're, you're wasting capacity on barges, so you have to run them more often, so that's going to cost more. I asked kind of a dumb question. Is it possible to put more water in it from somewhere? From where? They, I don't they, know. Yeah, that's that's really the, the problem with doing that. And there's another problem that is related to that, that as you get far south into the Mississippi Delta becomes a real problem. Because when you don't have the same level of outflow out of the Mississippi River into the Gulf that you normally would, salt water starts backing up the river. That's what I wondered. At one point, do you not? Yeah. And if you live in a city along the river where they get they depend on the river for drinking water and things like that, if, if you get contaminated with salt water, you can't use it. So the other thing they bring up is hydropower, which I don't know much about, admittedly, but the, there's a power plant there in Osceola yeah. that has not been able to generate hydropower for three weeks because insufficient water is passing through the intake pipes. Like you said, with the salt water, they're not getting enough water there to generate the hydropower. So now you've got to buy electricity from other places, and that's more expensive because, yeah, I mean, a lot of them, especially when you're talking about Arkansas, where you might try to buy it from the Texas grid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good luck with that. Uh, they've been having problems of their own. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, if they can't run that hydro plant, uh, then it'd be like shutting off Niagara Falls and telling, you know, Buffalo and Toronto, good luck. They said in dire situations, the Corps can also release water from upstream reservoirs to replenish the waterway. Okay. All right. Have we done that yet? And, it, and it how feels dire. And how long can that last? Once those reservoirs are dry, then what do you do? Well, then I also ask, how are other rivers doing? Yeah, How's the Missouri River doing? I mean, if, for those of you that, like if you're out on the Missouri River, if you kayak or whatever, how are other rivers doing? Yeah, I, because I assume a drought usually is not really unique to one part of the country. Usually if we're dry, we're dry. That's true. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because just a day or two ago, I did to go up to the north side and I was coming back uh, over the over the Missouri River by the by where the current stadium is going to be. And uh and it looked, I mean, I'm no expert, but it looked muddier and lower than usual. So I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, the river I see the most often is the one that my mom's house sits on. Yeah. <laughs> she Her house is up, but I haven't been back to Illinois for a while. So, um, I, yeah, I find it fascinating. I don't, in part because the geography geek in me finds it fascinating, but also because 
of the economic impact that I can't really get my head around. What we learned last time is that it takes a little while. It, it has an immediate impact on barges and things, but it doesn't affect us, the consumer, for a little bit. Sure. Um, so we won't see it for a little while. No, but yeah, who it's going to affect. Are, I mean, think about being a farmer, for example, in Illinois or Iowa. And you have to get that the the, the corn or, or wheat or whatever it is downriver, and you can't. I mean, you can get it downriver, but you can't get it to the Gulf, which cuts off the rest of the world from your possibility of sale. Thank you to the person on the text line who reminded me about the U.S. drought monitor. That's why we got Ernie Goss on because they he helps. <laughs> yeah, that's to, right. Yep. He knows of this pretty well, and so yeah, the worst thing you want to see on this map is dark, dark, like wine-colored red. That's the worst. And that sits over Louisiana. I mean, it's entirely over Louisiana yep. and Mississippi. And it also covers a big part of Iowa. So on the river, it covers a lot of Texas and um, southern New Mexico as well. We're pretty bad. Parts of Nebraska and, and Kansas are pretty bad. Oddly, the pla it's funny. It's places that I would consider to be bad also. Desert areas out west sure. aren't in that bad of shape. They just don't need as much. Um, no, yeah, it, yeah, they're used to dealing without it. But, um, yeah, I mean, all of the central plains, it's been dry, uh, That which is not only going to affect crop yields, but as we're finding out, it's going to affect their ability to sell it. If you have experience with this and want to give us insight, 913-586-7798. I, yeah, some of you were texting in. Um, just west of Lawrence on the Caw River, there is vegetation growing on all of the sandbars. Yeah, that's happening on the Mississippi as well. There, there are yeah. pictures that go along with this article that show exactly that kind of thing. I mean, the idea that there are sandbars at all in the Mississippi yeah. River is frightening enough. But yeah, when you see that they've been dry long enough for stuff to start growing there, that's a problem. 913-586-7798. Jim has called us out of Topeka. Howdy, Jim. Well, as much as I hate to admit it and, and, and think I'm wrong, back in the 60s when they went in and put in a bunch of dams and took out a bunch of farm ground uh they did it in the name of flood control so that they had they had excess uh area to be able to get the water to be held back up to keep it from flooding the the river but on the other side of it all those reservoirs and all those things that they did throughout that entire system allowed it to keep going a whole lot longer to where that we didn't get into this extreme crisis so quick yeah so without those reservoirs, we'd we'd be in real trouble right now with the uh, with the deal. We're, we're we're bad enough the way we are, but we'd have been worse without those reservoirs. Uh, how much of that situation can those reservoirs mitigate? How much water can they hold? That's got quite a debate on that because there's times that they need to let water out before you get into the floods, and sometimes they don't do that. Um, now it's the opposite way. You've got to hold it back so that you've still got, because people will complain that I can't take my boat out on the lake. <laughs> well, yeah. Excuse me. We need the water to get these things shipped down through there. So this is a, this is a, a very, uh, complicated and intricate problem to work with. And it takes a lot of patience to manage it. Gotcha. All right. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Well, and he's right that all it takes is a really nasty week or two. Yeah. And if you've let that much water out of some of these reservoirs into the Mississippi River, and then all of a sudden you end up with flooding in some place like St. Louis or Memphis or wherever, uh, you know, you, you can't take it back. You have to wait right. for it all to drain out.
Yeah, thank you to the person that just reminded me. We talked about this. There were wildfires in Louisiana this summer, which you think to be a swamp. How yeah. can there be wildfires in a place that has so much low ground that water covers? But that was the case nonetheless. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up to wrap the hour, uh, we have a couple of Florida man stories, but we'll get to this one. What a guy used to try to get away from police that didn't work very well. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. A couple stories to get to out of Florida. We'll talk about this bizarre kidnapping story here in a second. Uh, but on a slightly lighter note, I guess, what this guy tried to did uh, tried to do to get away from police. <laughs> Good old Johnny Yates of Lakeland, Florida, decided that he was going to try to elude the Polk County Sheriff's Office. And boy, am I waiting for Grady Judd's press conference on this one. Oh, yeah. According to the folks at WFLA TV Channel 8 over in Tampa, they say a Lakeland man tried to evade authorities through unconventional means. Um, they, they knew where the guy lived. So when deputies showed up at his house to go and arrest him on a series of charges, uh, there was a sign out front on a whiteboard. Just, you know, a regular little, it looks like it's about two feet by three feet whiteboard that was stood up by one of the windows. And in, in blue marker, it said, Johnny Yates does not live here. Ah. <laughs> uh, Fact is, Johnny Yates did live there, and uh -huh. and believe it or not, the Polk County Sheriff's Office was not fooled by his clever ruse. They went up and knocked on the door anyway. In fact, they waited for a guy to come out of the house, is what they did. And then they went up to him and said, uh, is Johnny in there? And the guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's in there with a couple of buddies. So they went in and got him. Uh, they, they There was a standoff. They used a loudspeaker initially to tell him to get out of the house. But after about an hour of uh, waiting for him and being really sick of waiting for him, they fired smoke canisters in. <laughs> um, I like where he was hiding. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, in a modified <laughs> chest of drawers. <laughs> what do you do to a chest of drawers so a guy can fit in it? I'm guessing take that the you, drawers you out. Take, take the bottom of one of the drawers out. So the face of the drawer is still there, but uh -huh. you can still get in it. And yeah, that's where they found him um, because they did eventually have to go in and get him out. They, there were sheriff's dogs there that were utilized as well. But yeah, uh, I don't know why Dillinger didn't think of that. John Dillinger is not watching this movie right now. He had to just write that up in front of the movie theater and everything would have been fine <laughs> stories everywhere too it's really funny <laughs> i saw i saw it in five places this morning it's I all over the place. I i'm gonna use that picture of the sign itself as my facebook wallpaper you know it's in johnny yates does not live here <laughs> i mean it was original it's a nice try yeah it was a good try <laughs> okay then we go to this other story uh out of plantation florida and what has three guys facing federal charges wow again what are they thinking so two brothers and another guy that they knew decided that they were going to kidnap a guy and hold him for ransom so they did or at least they tried to they they showed up at his apartment and kidnapped him at gunpoint got him in the car and tossed his cell phone out of the car as they drove to the place where they were going to keep him. They waterboarded him once they got him in there. Uh, and we'll tell you why here in just a second. But it turns out that shortly after arriving at the house, they figured out they had the wrong guy. Yeah, mistook him for the co-worker <laughs> that was the intended target. <laughs> ah. I mean, there's some of this I don't 
want to say out loud. Yeah. Uh, that they did to him. I mean, yeah, they, they were threatening him. They, they were torturing him and threatening him. What they were trying to do, and this is how genius these guys are. In case you're wondering how they got caught, it will make mm-hmm. you think they're even more stupid than you already think they are. So uh, they, they're torturing this guy, trying to convince him to help them kidnap the co-worker that they, have, that they wanted to kidnap initially. Mm-hmm. So finally they say to him, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to drive you to his house, and we're going to let you out of the car. You go into the house and convince him to come out, and then we'll grab him, and we'll leave you alone, and we'll grab him, and we'll just drive off. So that's what they did, and guess how wrong that went? Who called in the bomb threat? <laughs> okay, good. All right. so Because it just says the man, right. and I'm not clear on which of these men they're so talking about. The, the victim. So the, the guy that they initially kidnapped, they did. They drove him to the house of the co-worker under the auspices of him going in and getting the other guy to come out. So he goes in and tells the co-worker, hey, these three guys kidnapped me, but they didn't want me. They want you. We need to get the cops here right away. So they decided that the best way to get the cops there as quickly as possible was not just to call 911 and say three kidnappers are waiting for us outside. No, let's phone in a bomb threat. Okay. Because it's um, Florida. <laughs> so was that guy then arrested for calling in the bomb? Were both these two guys arrested for calling in a bomb threat? I was wondering the same thing. And the answer is no. Even though they called in a false report of a bomb threat, because they are the victims of the initial crime, the uh-huh. cops decided to kind of let them go on that one. They they did, in fact, get these three geniuses into custody. The suspects were arrested by law enforcement and remained jailed Tuesday in Broward County, Florida. Broward County is just north of Miami. Miami's Dade and then Broward's the next one up. Um, these guys, 32, 29, and 33 years old. None of them has had a court appearance yet. Uh, lawyers for the brothers did not immediately respond to uh, comments sought by the media. Imagine that. I bet. And the other guy doesn't even have a lawyer listed yet. They face a maximum life prison sentence if convicted. I want to know how they ended up getting the wrong guy. <laughs> what, yeah. what led them to the first guy? Wouldn't you love to know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Same name? I mean, like, what was it? Did they really think, okay, all three of them agreed that when we drive <laughs> this guy to the other guy's house, he'll go in there and get him for us. Yeah, as opposed to, you know, calling police or the second yeah. you let him out of your sight. Right. Wrong move. Not to mention, this is the guy you just waterboarded. Right. You he's think a little he's, angry at you. you. Think he's going to help you? Okay. Yeah, the list of things that they did to him, <laughs> you wonder, like, who was the mastermind behind this plan? Yeah. Um, you thought it was a good idea. Well, yeah, they, they are a bunch of savory-looking characters. I, I love the face and neck tattoos on the one dude. That's uh, that's some <laughs> extensive work there. All right, and then before uh, we turn this over to Dana and Parks, um, you kind of picked on the wording in the story about the cash reward for the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. Yeah, uh, they've, they've done it again. Uh, who is this? W-H-I-O-T-V out of Dayton? Yes. Um, and I believe, yeah, it was their own report. I was because this is not a wire service report, Mm-mm. like an AP report. So here's the intent. It's very short. The story is very short. It says the U.S. Postal Service, uh, the U.S. Postal Inspection Service is offering a cash reward for information leading to the arrests of suspects in an armed robbery of a letter carrier in Dayton. 
A USPS letter car- uh, carrier was robbed at gunpoint for their arrow key on October 14th near 4641 Merrick Drive, according to the spokesperson for USPIS. The carrier was not injured. Suspects are still at large. Then they go on to describe the suspects. That's it. That's all yep. they say. Yep. Very quick. Leaving us to wonder, the hell is an arrow key? <laughs> I Googled it, and you know what came up? Well, an arrow key are those four things on your computer keyboard that point up, down, <laughs> left, and right. Those are your arrow keys. And I was like, okay, that, I don't think that's what these guys were trying to steal. I'm look, Okay, so I'm Googling postal service arrow key and see. Um, but yes, it, it wouldn't be, they should have included, because I didn't know either. Right. Uh, it's a universal key. It's uh, it's the fancy word for the universal key that they use to open up all the mailboxes at once. Oh, like the, okay, like a skeleton key that, that lets you get into every, so you don't have to carry 5,000 different keys if, yeah. if you're emptying mailboxes and putting the letters into your truck. And you could see why burglars would want one of those, because then they could just open up any mailbox in town and steal all the stuff that's inside. Yeah, uh, supervisors assign them one per route to the to the letter carriers. Yeah, and and it, I guess one key opens up every box in a certain zip code or whatever, so mm-hmm. they can keep track of them all. Yeah, that, that makes sense, but it seems like they, they should have put that maybe in the article. <laughs> or <laughs> called it the common word. Don't Call you, it universal key. Right, yeah, a skeleton key for the mailboxes, whatever. Uh, yeah, they don't just leave something in there and then leave us hanging as to what that is. Journalism at its finest. <laughs> As we pick on our own industry. Uh, All right, we'll (laughs) leave it at that. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow here on KMBZ. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.